everyone, this is Sono. And I'm Amit. Welcome to Moonspeak, your source for bi-weekly Sailor Moon Crystal discussion and analysis. Remember to keep supporting the official releases of the show so we can get more by watching it every first and third Saturday on Hulu, Crunchyroll, Yukoniko, and other fine sites. Yes. So, have you heard anything more about whether or not they might be extending the run of Crystal? I haven't heard anything. I will take a look around for news on that uh, for uh, when we do Act 20. I'll see if there's any buzz about that around, but I haven't heard anything. Okay, very good. Uh, let's see, so um, this week we're going to be discussing Sailor Moon Crystal Act 19 Time Warp Sailor Pluto. Yeah. Alrighty, um, this was like a really, really interesting episode, so... Uh, this, this is a lot of really dense, really uh, heavy kind of plot episode. Yeah, and it may feature illegal activities, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah, well. yeah. Okay, so, uh, here we go, in, straight into the meat and veggies. Uh, so Chibusa tells Usagi, Luna, Minako, Artemis, and Mamoru that she came from the 30th century after Crystal Tokyo was dealt a sudden and powerful blow. She says nothing of her mother being struck or killed, but, uh, we get to see an ambiguous flash of something happening to Queen, well, Neo Queen Serenity, let's just come out and say it, um, when she yeah. briefly mentions her mother. The surprise is time travel! Yeah, what? <laughs> What did you think in the 90s when you were watching this? Like, she just looks like Usagi, and she's called Chibi Usagi. What What? what did that yeah. make you think? What What did I think? Because I was like eight. So, I mean, we're, we're coming on this <laughs> about 20 years later. Um, I'm pretty sure I just rolled with it. Okay. Like, until we got... I'm not sure I was even watching them in order. Hmm. Because I'm not sure how they were aired back then. And these, this was also, I think, was still at the point of the Deke dubs. Okay. So Lord only knows what episodes were omitted. Um, all I know is we, we were not fans of Chibiusa. <laughs> we were not into it. As well documented a few episodes ago. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. That awful site. What was it called? The Chibi Project? Uh, yeah, I think yeah. so. Oh, that was disturbing. <laughs> okay, so let's uh you know what? I I got to say something. It's funny um ah, never mind. I'll move on. I'll, I'll I'll come back to Joss Whedon later. Um so uh Minako uh reasons that Ami, Ray and Makoto have been taken to the future and asks Chibiusa uh if she can go get them there. What really surprised me is how intense Artemis got. Like, out of nowhere, Artemis, of all people, is suddenly, like, screaming at Shibiusa when she's kind of falling back on this and kind of trying to avoid confrontation. It seemed kind of out of place for him when he's usually so mellow about everything. But Minako was still kind of in very intense leader Venus mode, and he may have been feeding off of that somehow, but just Artemis shouting is not normal for me. Hmm. Um, see, I just don't know him as well, so... <laughs> uh, let's see, so Chibiusa... He's a pretty chill dude. Yeah, I mean, he seems like it so far. I really want to check out that Venus, or the Sailor V manga. Get, oh, get more of him there, I'm sure. Uh, so let's see. Okay, so um, Chibiusa is overwhelmed by the exposition, so Mamoru comforts her and says that uh, they ought to let her recover before getting more information for them. I mean, I'd also be overwhelmed by a cat shouting at me, but uh, I don't know why anyone has tried talking to her calmly 
and asking what's going on, kind of without f- trying to, like, aggressively approach her about this when this is clearly a frightened six-year-old. Like, Luna, of all people, should know how to deal with children, having pretty much been there to help raise Usagi. Now, I wonder how much of that is... Um, I guess at this point they're supposed to have their memories fully restored to them, right? Yeah, no, Luna... I mean, Artemis definitely has remembered everything the whole time. Hmm. Um, Luna has all of her memories at this point. Everyone is pretty much up to speed with the Silver Millennium as of uh, the end of Dark Kingdom. So I just... But even then, like, I don't know why anyone... Hasn't just been like, hey, we're gonna sit down, and we're just gonna, we're just gonna talk calmly about this. No one's gonna raise their voice. Uh, like, we're just, we're gonna ask you a question. Yeah, maybe they're all too freaked out, and sometimes it's hard to deal with kids, so, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, like, I, I can get, I can still give Usagi a pass, because three of her friends have been kidnapped to the future now, <laughs> and for all she knows, they may be dead. Right. Definitely. But you've still got four other members of this party. Like, Mamoru is pretty calm about everything, but he's just like, no, let's just not question her anymore. And he has all of this time alone with her. So I, I don't know why he's not kind of more calmly approaching this. Yeah, I think that was definitely his intention. It feels like he's the most sensitive of all the characters. Um, yeah. So that's that's a, a merit to him, I would definitely say, but... Anyway, he um he takes her home uh and puts her to bed um in one of his shirts <laughs> which is adorable. Um so uh he he asks about her mother before uh you know he turns the lights off and everything and tells her she is strong because of how bravely she traveled through time to help save Crystal Tokyo and that was uh that was pretty good stuff. You know, it, it was very sweet. Uh it, he got kind of awkwardly close to her when he was telling her she was brave. And I'm like Okay, but I mean, it was still a very, very sweet scene, and he tells her, and he makes it clear, like, she's not just running away and hiding, which is what she believes she's doing, and she's trying to get help and make things right, and that's a really important distinction that's easy for someone that's as young and scared as her to kind of forget and lose sight of, that she's trying to do the right thing, but it's hard, and things are getting in the way. Yeah, I think that's really important, especially because, like, you know, this... Um, well, I wonder how much this was reflected in the original show, because it's fine and dandy for Crystal to be doing it now, but I'm just curious as to how the manga and the original show handled it, because, you know, those... Uh, like, the manga is specifically targeted towards girls, if I am correct, which I think I am yes. <laughs> about that, and, like, the show, while being um, a little more broad-based, probably was mostly watched by girls, but definitely kids... And that's, like, a really great message to send to kids. Yeah. Um, Alright, so moving on. Um, Mamoru and Usagi share an awkward exchange about Chibiusa muddling their relationship dynamics, uh, after which they really open up to each other and uh, about their insecurities and their desires to be together always. They embrace, kiss, and uh, don't stop there. Yeah, which kind of caught me off guard. I mean, I guess... It's not something that's ever really present in the first series. It's very present in the manga, uh, kind of in this really implied way. 
Uh, it's still kind of a little weird to think of Usagi and Mamoru's relationship as sexual in any way, just due to Usagi's age. But, I mean, I guess the perception of age in Sailor Moon is kind of skewed and weird, uh, because they have this whole previous life where they were older and had likely also progressed to this phase of their relationship, and now they've got all of these memories of that and of each other, and it's kind of a weird gray area. Uh, that I try not to think too hard about. Uh, but the conversation about Chibiuso was kind of unsettling because she's a very young child. She's like between six and eight, and Mamoru is a grown man. I mean, yeah, Mamoru laid out very clearly that that is not even remotely what's going on on his end. Like, it's very clearly like a platonic familial love and caring for Chibiusa, but Usagi saying that age doesn't matter in this context feels really off to me, and this sort of feeling from her was very, very much played up in the first series, and I think that's kind of a big part of why we didn't like her, because this is just really awkward and weird. And especially with how it's treated as an like, yeah, little, little girls have crush, crushes on adults. Right. That's, that's a thing that happens. But no one's ever, like, legitimately threatened by it. Like, it's not an <laughs> actual romantic rivalry. Yeah, I wonder how much of that, though, might be a little bit of Usagi's um, immaturity, and maybe it's more that it, it's less that she sees her as an actual romantic rival and more as a rival for... Mamoru's attention, and I'm not trying to paint Usagi as, um, like, codependent or anything, and I also kind of don't think it's wrong for someone to be jealous of somebody else or, or something else getting all the attention in a relationship. Let's say you're with someone and uh, they're always on their phone or always paying attention to Facebook or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, like, no, those, those are real I, things that get I in the way. It's just that Usagi is very blatantly making it a romantic thing. No, yeah, you're and right. <laughs> that just feels really off and uncomfortable. Where, like, she's very much making it like, do you love her more than me in a romantic sense? Because, and Mama's like, no, that's obviously not what's going on. She's like six, and Usagi's like, her age doesn't matter. Like, and. The way that's all presented just feels very, very off to me. Where it, it... It just feels very, very strange. I mean, I get where you're coming from, and that's probably more of how... Like, Usagi's probably probably does feel that way and just doesn't completely recognize it, because, again, this is something very, very new to her. And I'm sure that's how Mamoru is perceiving it. But, I mean, just f- from the meta standpoint of it, it's just a very odd kind of way to go at that. Yeah, I, I guess maybe we just have to accept that that was really poorly written right there. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it, that, could, that should have been handled way better. Yeah. All right, so uh, uh, Luna has a dream while sleeping in Mina- uh, on Minako's bed, uh, wherein she remembers a time... Queen Serenity told her to forget about a closed, forbidden door protected by a single guardian. 
Uh, this this very lovely uh, implied Luna and Artemis moment, which warms my heart. Uh, I love Luna and Artemis uh, as a pair for the past 20 years of my life. You mean um, that she, she was staying over at his place, right? Yeah, and I mean, yeah. like, they're <laughs> sitting there together, and she's, like, pretty much up against him. Mm. It, and just, like... He's just kind of watching over her, making sure she's okay, thinking about stuff, just enjoying this chill moment. <laughs> and I mean, like, by the time she wakes up, he's asleep next to her. Uh, and it's, it's a very nice implication of Luna giving Usagi her space to kind of deal with this whole Chibiusa situation. Because I think by this point, Luna's kind of aware that she can be a little overbearing and maybe is, doesn't have the best sense of tact when it comes to Usagi. And also, like, if she knows that Usagi's gone off with Mamoru, they don't need her there. So True. it's kind of, kind of this nice little implication of Luna giving some consideration to that. Uh, the memory itself is very interesting and telling about uh, Luna, Serenity, and Pluto. Luna has a high enough standing in the Silver Millennium where she's even able to reach this door that no one is supposed to know even exists. Uh, so that, that gives implications of Luna, kind of Luna's place. Serenity knows not only of the door and the details of what it is, but the person behind it. And Pluto has been at this post since significantly before the fall of the Silver Millennium, all the way beyond the... and then all the way forward beyond the rise of Crystal Tokyo in the 30th century. So the... Serenity And Serenity just gives a really nice sense of urgency about keeping away from the door and kind of what it means and that this is a thing that you can't go near. This is a thing you can't interact with. Uh, it, it gives a really nice foreshadowing towards what's coming with all of this. Oh, uh, yes, I would agree. And I lost my place in the notes. That was weird. Okay, anyway, back here. Um, uh, so uh, Chibiusa asks Mamoru Nisagi to go back to the future with her. So they meet up with Minako at the fountain in the park, and she explains that her space-time key will allow them to travel to the 30th century. Mamoru Nusagi's reactions to this were adorable. Uh, it was very much, very uh, reminiscent of facial expressions in the first series. Uh, like, they didn't seem to believe that Chibiusa really could or would take them. Like, they seemed to buy her story 100%. But when it comes to actually doing the time travel, they're like, wait, how how is this going to work? Yeah, and I like the fact that... Um they've always shown her with the key and the, you know, silver crystal, legendary silver crystal. And just, I've always assumed that it was important, but I thought, like, is that a home key or whatever? But I guess in a, in its own weird way, it is, you know, a key to get back home. Yes. Uh, and it's really cool to see it, that it was planted all the way back from her debut, I think, at the end of episode 14, that yes. this is a thing she's got, so... Uh, so let's see, uh, something does go wrong, uh, cause she warns them that it could, um, and Chibius is separated from her five guests, um, and, uh, Prince Damon and his court see the time warp, um, which is bad, uh, Wiseman appears and says that the time has come to smash the legendary civil, silver crystal and its, uh, heir, or heiress, would be more appropriate, um, and, uh, Esmerad volunteers to handle it. Yeah, 
Azmarod and her twin hot guy minions, did everyone in the Black Moon just kind of go out and find, like, angry, really attractive magic siblings <laughs> to do their stuff for them? I mean, if you're gonna anyway, you may as well, right? I mean, I guess. If you need sets of minions, you might as well just get them all in one place. <laughs> it sure saves on the legwork. Oh, man. Okay, so uh, Sailor Pluto, guardian of the underworld, controller of the door of space and time, says she will not let them pass because those who commit a taboo will be eliminated. Uh, in an earlier flashback, Pluto told uh, Chibiusa that in the 30th century, time travel is the last taboo. And there she is. Pluto comes on so strong and, like, furious and intense, and she clearly knows who these three people are. I mean, this is the queen, the king, and the captain of the guard, as well as two very important attendants. She's known all of these people their whole lives, and, man, she did not care. In As far as she knows, like, as far as she feels about things, these are the highest people in existence. But they broke the law, and that goes completely beyond like her, what she's allowed to feel. She just, I don't, she doesn't care if they're God. They did a thing they're not supposed to, and it's her job to get rid of them. Yeah, I uh, I couldn't believe how intense she was. Um, like, that was really cool, and it was kind of weird. I, I, I at first wondered, does she recognize them? But she would have to, just because of her exposure to them yeah. uh, for so long. So, that's a really weird thing. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, so uh, Pluto tries to kill them for breaking the law, but blunts after she realizes that they have brought Chibiusa back safely. She has been missing uh, her for some time, uh, having stolen the space-time key. Or, she's been missing. Chibiusa's been missing for some time, having stolen the space-time key from Pluto, who has a bunch of keys on her belt, and she's got a giant key uh, staff, yes. which is cool. Uh, the one thing that doesn't go beyond Pluto's complete devotion to her post is her devotion to Chibiusa. Pluto makes exceptions for her, bends the rules, breaks the rules, and just lets Usagi and the others pass, and forgives Chibiusa for, completely forgives Chibiusa without hesitation for breaking the taboo of time travel. Instead of even scolding her, much less punishing her or killing her as she should for, as she was willing to do for the others, Pluto's just gl- glad she's safe. And they have this really nice emotional impact, like with kind of the embraces between the two of them. The way Chibiusa like hurls herself into Pluto's arms and Pluto just drops all pretenses of anger and is down on her knees just holding Chibiusa glad that she's safe. Yeah, I also thought that was really sweet. It almost felt like, wow, this is a such a strong emotional connection. I'm sure Chibiusa, you know, her mo- her mother isn't Pluto, but they have a relationship that seems that strong. Yeah, I mean, it's again, think back to Queen Serenity's reaction to Luna even being near the door, not knowing anything about Pluto, not knowing what's beyond that door. It's just you're not allowed to see or know about this door. No one is allowed beyond that point. And Chibiusa goes. Right. This is really like the only person Pluto has. Hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. Uh, so let's see. Um, 
Next, um, so uh, she lets them pass because you know Chibiusa, um, and they enter Crystal Tokyo and they see that the moon hangs seemingly just thousands of feet above Crystal Tokyo. Uh, which is a wasted and deserted city that seems to be strewn with dead bodies. Uh, Chibiusa was the only one not affected by the attack, apparently, uh, that ruined the city. Yeah, uh, ruined Crystal Tokyo was really dark and scary, and it was much more intense than I was expecting or remembered from the previous series. I feel like in the previous series, everyone was just kind of turned to stone. I may be wrong about that, but just... People weren't... I don't think people were quite as dead as they were here. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then we got that really weird dude, like, yeah. melting. <laughs> yeah, like, that, <laughs> that, was, that was really intense. Yeah, that was super crazy. All right, so uh, moving on to Hot Minions. Yeah, um, good times. <laughs> the Bull Brothers, Bolle Brothers uh, of the Black Moon appear... Uh, as the group is attempting to go to the Crystal Palace, they and Esmerad lock the group in Crystal. Uh, they can't escape, and Esmerad mocks Chibiusa for saying her mom, uh, the real Crystal Palace, is unbeatable. Oh man, everyone in Black Moon is so skeevy. Esmerad is way <laughs> more unsettling than I remember her being. I mean, I don't really remember a lot of what she did at all, but I don't remember her being, like, kind of that gross. I also don't remember these two guys, even slightly, and I'm kind of wondering if the first series had maybe skipped over them, or if they just weren't as interesting as the Spectre Sisters, uh, so they just kind of didn't stick with me. Yeah, maybe maybe they were just gone too quickly. Maybe. I, maybe they were only around for a couple of episodes where the four of them were... They were around for a while back in the day, because uh, they didn't die. I think. I think they like. I think in the first series they like cleansed the four of them and they went off to like live as Earthlings in the twentieth century. Oh, how nice! I think that's what happened. Okay. Um, and they all became fabulously wealthy, uh, cheating on uh, games of uh, chance, probably right? voting on the World Series and whatnot. All <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, it, <laughs> A white-clad man who looks and sounds like Tuxedo Mask tells Mamoru to pray the trap away. Uh, he does, so Venus and Tuxedo Mask destroy the Bold Brothers, who Esmeralda uses as a shield. I have to admit, this felt kind of like a cop-out. I mean, I get that Mamoru is connected to the Earth, but when Usagi prayed to the moon, it was a huge ordeal. Like, it was a whole huge thing. And then Mamoru prays to the Earth, and she's like, hey, break this thing. And then it breaks, and they go on fighting as if it like, the thing was never really a threat at all. There was no, like, real power of summoning or him, like, kind of bringing any power into himself from the Earth or anything like that. Yeah, it was definitely, uh, I'd say it was a cheap moment. Um, I liked the idea of the crystal stuff in general, but, eh. Um, let's see, so, uh, they finally get into the real Crystal Palace, and they find Chibius's mom, who is Neo Queen Serenity, and she's uh, laying on a slab, sealed in crystal shards. Yeah, so. Crystal Tokyo's having a bad day. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Uh, and then to save, well, not to save the day, but just to kind of uh, make things a little weirder, um, this little white cat comes out, <laughs> Diana, and um, she, or kitten, really, and she's pet by a man in white that looks like Tuxedo Mask. So. I forgot the manga brought Diana in this early. 
Oh, the, the first series doesn't bring Diana in until I think the next arc. Uh, or maybe the arc after. I completely forgot that, uh, in the manga, Diana comes in in Black Moon. I, I I'm gonna Diana. assume she's, she's Artemis and, uh, Luna's yeah, kid. She's, let's, yeah. There are really no pretenses in Sailor Moon. <laughs> Everything <laughs> is pretty obvious. Yeah. Um, alright, so let's, let's move on to the frills now that we've gotten through that. Um, so the first thing that I thought was really cool, um, and these are pretty much just chronologically through the episode, is, uh, Minako, if you go back and look at the scene where she's sleeping and there's, you know, Luna and Artemis are interacting, she moves in her sleep. She goes from, like, being under her covers to being half out of them, and uh, it's just a pretty that, funny thing. That's very detail. Minako, too, where she wouldn't be able to just, like, <laughs> sleep still, like a, like people do. She's gotta roll around and toss and turn. Especially like with two cats on her bed. She's still doing that. I mean, I don't, I can barely move around with one cat on my bed. <laughs> that's funny. I, uh, that's really funny. Alright, uh, let's see. Oh, another great animation detail is, uh, we can see Chibiusa's little silhouette through Mamoru's shirt. It's a nice detail, but it also feels really weird to me. Like, Clearly the shirt is huge on her. Mamoru is a kind of a big guy, and this is a six-year-old, and I mean, we don't really need a visual indication of this very young girl's body. <laughs> oh, I guess like, that's that, true. <laughs> that felt really weird to me. Just like, yeah, it's, like, her just in the shirt is adorable. But then you've got, like, this silhouette of her tiny girl body, and I'm like, that's weird, I don't need to see that. <laughs> Yeah, good point. Maybe uh, it's just something I can't escape in my real life, so... I mean, like, it's a nice animation detail, but it's like, that's... Don't do that. (laughs) Uh, It should have been a solid black shirt. No sunlight. (laughs) Uh, Okay, speaking of, um, like, kind of grossness, um, Esmeralda gets a nasty look from Demond after boasting that she'll get him the castle's Sleeping Beauty... Who he so desires, um, Rubius scoffs at that, and she summons the, um, man, the twins, Ch- who are Chiral and Alchiral, uh, and like, or Aki, those are crazy yeah. names. I do not know what they mean. Uh, yeah, very, very strange. Yeah. The whole thing is weird. Uh, annoyed on getting accidentally called out on being a huge Steve. I mean, like, Esmeralda and Rubius clearly defer to him as their leader, but they don't seem to actually respect him that much, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, and like, I don't know. I, I, uh, from the last episode, um, his brother was saying, hey, you've already dealt the earth a huge blow. Why, you know, obsess about finding this legendary silver crystal? And um, I'm assuming the huge blow was the... Uh, you know, death of all these people in Crystal Tokyo. Yeah. Um, and it's weird because, like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Usagi, Neo Queen Serenity, is encased in Crystal, and she... I, I mean, I guess it's it's interesting that... Um, or it makes sense that Chibiusa wasn't affected when Usagi's fine. I mean, she's stuck in Crystal, but I'm assuming that's kind of a temporary thing meant to protect her, kind of like when... um. When Matalia was trying to swallow her, the same thing happened, or yeah. something similar happened. Um, so, it's interesting that that happened, and then, 
he was, you know, still going after the legendary silver crystal. And like, does he want to crush it just so he can? Oh man, I don't even want to yeah, go there. No, like, uh, demand is a skeeve. He is gross. He has always been gross. But here's the thing: I don't care. It's like, how much of that is coming from him, and how much of that is coming from Wise Man? And do we get? Should we be getting a full explanation of like why? Why he's oh, doing all, this? It's all coming. It's okay. all, it's just, we're, we're getting there. <laughs> like, I can't imagine. Like, I could, I don't know. I could see, like, if he had to eat her heart in order to gain power, but it seems like he wants to do something else to, anyway. Yeah. I, yeah, let's move on. This is. It's just, all, we're, we'll, <laughs> we'll all get to this eventually. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay, so, um, moving on. Isagi and company decide they're, uh, lost, uh, possibly between times. Oh, and, oh. um, Luna starts to fall through a cloud, uh, cause that happens. And, uh, it looks like eternity is below her, and Mamoru saves her by catching her by her tail. And, um, that was really cute. Oh, poor Luna! By the tail! I mean, she was probably already <laughs> terrified, and then, like, he pulls her up by the tail! That had to hurt so much! Poor Luna! <laughs> yeah, but it was just like such a great detail, you know, and especially because of them having gotten closer over yeah. time. Uh, okay, so uh, so Pluto explains to uh, Chibiusa that the legendary silver crystal is unchanging and she can't currently use it either. Um, she embraces her and thanks the uninvited guests for bringing back the princess. So this was interesting that um, the thing about Chibiusa going back to the 20th century is that she wanted to get both legendary silver crystals in hopes that the two of them together, which it's really the same one displaced in time, uh, would somehow be able to, one, work for, like, the old one might have worked for her, and two, that their power together could have stopped uh, Black Moon. Yeah, because, I mean, uh, she comment. I think early on, Chibiusa or someone comments, uh, if you try and put the two of them near to each other, like, the universe will explode or something. Oh like, yeah, she, a, yeah. Chibiusa did say bad, that. It's like stream like, crossing. That's a bad, bad idea. But she's like, this is the only option I can think of. But man, right. this this scene really got me right in my excessive amount of emotions for Pluto. Like we had just watched her completely lose it, try and kill everyone for just showing up, which would probably totally doom the future because this is Usagi and Mamoru from the past. Uh, so, I mean, if you kill past them, you don't get future them. But, I mean, like, the very sight of Chibiusa is enough to totally, like, shut her down, get her to calm down and kind of work things out rationally, and it's really where we get to see, like, these all of these emotions under kind of the tough, like, dutiful soldier that Pluto is. Um... Yes. <laughs> it's funny, she seems like a, a kind of like a cross between Minako and Rei because of her intensity and her soldierness. Yeah, she kind of is. And, I mean, it's it's really great whenever we get to, like, break through Pluto and kind of see that Pluto's also a huge nerd. Um, she can be, especially later in uh, the first series. I don't know if you've ever seen a gif of her with the ice cream bar. No. I will dig that up for you later. But okay. there's a scene in the last season uh, where 
everyone is kind of following around Usagi for reasons, trying to figure some stuff out. And Pluto just shows, and there's, they stop and they, they get ice cream at some point to kind of sit down and discuss this. And Pluto like walks out of the bushes and starts being like, and starts explaining something. And then just, she has like her back to them with her arms crossed and you just see her arm come up and she's holding like a chocolate covered ice cream bar as some like weird show of solidarity with the, with the inner girls. And it's absolutely hilarious. Huh, okay, I'm gonna have it's to a see that. Majestic it is, um... scene. <laughs> uh. Okay, so here is something that was really great in the episode. Um, Chibiusa and Usagi are being a couple of goofs running around because uh, Chibiusa was teasing her about being a princess, and Pluto says that the pair has always given her trouble. This scene is so reminiscent of the first series. There's so much in this episode that was, and I love it for that. Just the the way their expressions were and the comedic timing was all just really exceptional. Because uh, Chibiusa knows exactly who Usagi is. And she knows this is like her one and only chance before Usagi learns everything for Chibiusa to be, well, I'm a magical princess and I'm better than you. Because in ten minutes, Usagi's going to learn everything. And just to see that bit of Chibiusa and kind of that bit of Usagi in her really shine through was just amazing. And Pluto's reaction to it was just so perfect. And, like, this is all going on, like, still outside of time in this completely forbidden area. And all she can do is just kind of laugh to herself about this, because what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, I, I love too how it's just like a comment under her it's breath. It's like, ah, oh, this again. I miss <laughs> this dumbness. Uh, and then the uh, the final note in the frills, um, just about Diana, comes out from behind like the sepulcher, which is you know a little creepy. And then Chibiusa runs over to her and is all yes, happy. I, I've always had such a soft spot for Diana. I mean, it's hard not to. Diana is completely precious, but I'm just, I was so thrilled to see Diana because I completely forgot about her uh, being in this part of the story. Uh, all right, so so um, what do you think the best line of the episode uh, was? For me, it w- they're both, both of these were Pluto lines. Uh, either time travel is the final taboo or her kind of humorous under her breath, you two have always given me trouble. I'm just, I'm completely floored by the emotional range we got from Pluto in this episode. Yeah, it really is interesting because, I mean, as a character in a, I don't know, hero adventure show, uh, she got to show, like, you know, anger and fierce loyalty and you shall not break this law, and then this, like, very um, down-to-earth, at-home sort of, you know, sighing and making that comment. Yeah, I mean... Which is she goes great. through, like, anger and kind of this kind of beautiful power and then this protectiveness of Chibiusa and her love for Chibiusa, her worry for where she had been, and then just kind of this, this like, one small moment of amusement in her life. And just all through one episode, and, I mean, this really, I think this is one of the be- the really good things that Crystal has done was Pluto's range over this episode. 
Uh, okay, and then, so I have two. The funny one is, um, we won't get beaten by some henchmen, and that was Sailor Moon, when, when they're frozen in the amber or whatever. Um, like, and two, it was just, like, such an awkwardly animated scene, too, <laughs> where she, like, yeah. they can sort of move in the crystal, or she can, and she, like, does this weird cupping her hands thing down, <laughs> and, like, the moon yeah. comes out. It's just, like, super weird. Uh yeah, that was really awkwardly and animated. I, just, I don't know, like, if that's a fault of the show, or if they're doing that on purpose. Like, could they be doing that on purpose? Did someone think that looked really great, or that was just the only way they could do it at that time? It, it may just be because of kind of the circumstances of what was going on in the scene that may have really kind of been the only way to right. do it. But, I mean, uh, I'll let it slide, because, I mean, it wasn't that bad. It, but it was like it was a funny it was a funny line and it's kind of backed up by kind of the weird animation. Yeah, and I I really just enjoy like any time uh, somebody calls out something in the genre, you know, like oh henchman. Yeah. I, I I don't like wall like fourth wall breaking all the time. It usually annoys me, but little things like that. It's like yeah, these are henchmen, um, so it's appropriate to call them that. Uh, and then the uh, the sweet the other one was a sweet line and. Um, Oh, it was Chibiusa when she's, you know, frozen in the crystal. And she says, this place can't be destroyed because my mom's inside. Uh, I mean, it, it's so sweet. Chibiusa has just such unwavering faith and love for her mother. But that's so sweet. Yeah, I, I thought it was really awesome. So, anyway, and, uh, like, man, Esmeralda, especially, like, Esmeralda just mocks her after that, which is great. And that's going to be the uh, the episode image for this episode. <laughs> uh, it's just uh, it's too good. So, um, I think that's pretty much it. Yes, yeah, that's everything we've got uh, for this time. Yeah, I wanted to uh, I wanted to talk about a little bit about like um, and we won't right now, but just kind of bring it up. Like, I'm uh, I really enjoyed Buffy and Angel. I don't know about you. I've heard people complain about Joss Whedon, but so far, I think of the things of his that I've seen, I've really liked them. Um, but it's funny because... I like—I know I liked Buffy as a kid. I don't remember watching much of Angel. Okay. I kind of remember hearing people say, or maybe him saying one time, like, yeah, Sailor Moon was really great and it was an inspiration. Um, but it really feels like Sailor Moon was an inspiration to him. <laughs> like, maybe he watched a few episodes. Because I think the Buffy show started airing in, like, 97. Um, yeah. And so he would have been able to see it. And, like, certain things definitely feel uh, very... Um, inspired by Sailor Moon. So, uh, you know, just the girl heroes and the being able to be really feminine and at the same time kick tons of ass and all that stuff. Yeah, Sailor Moon really did kind of a lot of that for uh, kind of female heroes in Western media. Uh, it really opened a lot, kind of a lot of creative doors there. Yeah. And, um, I, uh, <laughs> I thought I was being clever because we were. I was planning initially on talking about um, uh, beautiful mask Watrine. Which have you seen the episode yet? Not okay. yet. Uh, it's it's been a busy couple of weeks. I've had a hard time uh, fitting watching extra things into my schedule. Well, then I w- I won't go into much detail. But um, after watching Watrine, I wondered about how much um, maybe Takuchi would have been influenced by this because when was the manga originally written? Um. Ninety four, ninety five. Okay, and like the um, 
Poitrine came out like ninety two, ninety three, or it, it yeah, ran no, for a whole year. I'm pretty sure that was definitely first. I'm gonna I'm gonna fact check this real quick. Okay, and while you're doing that, uh, oh no, original run uh, started at the end of nineteen ninety one. Oh, okay, huh? Well, that's interesting. I'm mixing up my years. Hmm. I had no idea. So, so then, like that, that definitely um, opens up things a little more because I, I do want to talk about um, Poitrine and Sailor Moon together because they're, you know, both magical girl shows um, yeah. in their own ways, and um, it, it kind of led me into looking into uh, shoot, <laughs> to looking into who like the first magical girl was, and I think it's this like Sally the Witch. <laughs> yes. It, yes, uh, Sally the Witch. Yeah. So. Um, like, that's really interesting, and then, like, what I saw on w- Wikipedia, which, again, it's Wikipedia, so who knows? you got to be careful. Um, the uh, Princess Knight, um, man, what's that classic? Tezuka's Princess Knight is seen as kind of, like, one of the first things to set that up, even though I don't think she was magical. Um, but it kind of set up the female heroine like that. So, uh, anyway. Um, and then, like, what Sally the Witch was supposedly... Um, influenced by the popularity of Bewitched being dubbed in Japan or or having subtitles put with it, which is interesting. But anyway, I, I'd like to talk more about that later, and I, I think it's interesting how uh, like Takeuchi takes a lot of different things and combines them together, because basically um, what I'm seeing of this arc of Sailor Moon Crystal is that it's basically a fairy tale partially set in the future with magical uh, alien, or like, you know, space princesses. Yeah. And, like, that's a really interesting maybe pastiche of uh, some of the things that have come before it. So, anyway, that's that's another topic to get into later. But uh, I'd just kind of introduce some of the ideas here. Yeah, no, it's... The magical girl genre is a very interesting place to explore. Um, I mean, you do have kind of the the very Sentai-esque kind of henchening color-coded girl teams. And then there are a lot of other kind of subsets of the genre where those things aren't quite as uh, at the forefront. Um, I mean, I, a couple of Clamp series, old Clamp series jump to mind first. Um, I know I've watched a couple uh, that are more kind of girls in kind of robot suit-esque things. Hey, um, was Bubblegum Crisis Clamp or not? No, Bubblegum Crisis is not Clamp. Okay. Uh, I've always meant to watch Bubblegum Crisis and have never quite gotten there. It's too bad I don't have my DVDs still. I would have mailed them to you. I, I ended up, I bought it because I thought, like, well, this is supposed to be a touchstone in anime and all this stuff. And I watched it and it was, I don't know, it was it's very interesting. <laughs> I'll just say that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things that it's always kind of sounded like I would enjoy it. Um, I mean, I, I do... I need to explore a lot more things in the genre. Somewhere on Tumblr, there is a post that contains every lead magical girl back to Sally the Witch. And I want to find it and use it as a checklist. <laughs> oh, boy. That is, that is an ambition of mine for one that's, day. Huh. That's a huge undertaking. <laughs> I found the gift. <laughs> oh, boy. 
because it's one of my favorites. Alright, well, and, like, I'll check. It looks like horribly edited, like in Photoshop. Okay. But it's not. But it like, this is a real thing that happened in the show. Oh, dear. Okay, let's see. Let me load this up, and the the audience can get my live reaction to this, and then we'll uh, we'll close out all the way. Oh wow! Oh my gosh! That does look really. Is that real? Yeah, Are you serious? That, that You're not. Really happened in an episode. I'm not messing with you. Okay. Well, I'm not sure what to say about that. <laughs> she's, she's having this really serious discussion with them, and that is just this show of solidarity. She has this like fudge bar. Well, yeah, making this wow. completely like deathly serious expression. Yeah, the face and the the bar coming into frame like do not match at all, and that is hilarious. It oh, like bright good. orange '90s like loose tank top over a black t-shirt. Hey, she's trying to Goku it up, I guess, right? <laughs> yes, the, the <laughs> fashions in the original series are amazing. <laughs> and by amazing, you mean terrible, right? some level between terrible and amazing that is impossible to process. Oh, that's funny. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to have to save up money and uh, just buy the Blu-rays of the uh, the new dub. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I think um, we should be signing off now. Yep, that's, that's everything for uh, this episode. Yeah, well, once you get into commenting on GIFs, then uh, you, you need to stop. Oh, that's so good, though. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Yes. Um, go ahead and uh, leave us comments if you want. If you, um, if this is the only, if this is somehow the only Sailor Moon Crystal podcast you're listening to, you should definitely check out uh, Love and Justice. I've listened to a couple episodes, and um, it's full of tons of spoilers because they go through the they go through Pretty Guardian Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon, um, the '90s show the manga, and Sailor Moon Crystal, and they, like, compare them all together. So, it's pretty oh, interesting. that sounds like fun. Yeah, I, I bet you would love it, because you're familiar with everything but Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon. Yeah. No, maybe maybe once I go through uh, PGSM, I definitely want to check that out, because that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, they even uh, they even talk about the um, the musicals, or oh, the stage shows, whatever, so. Fantastic. Yeah, so I think you would especially like it, so you should check it out whenever you have the chance. But they're Definitely. episodes episodes are kinda long, like an hour and a half at least, so Okay, well I mean we've we've done worse. Yeah, we've I know, I know so I was, far on Uncommon Cast. I know. It's talking about one single uh twenty nine minute episode or whatever or twenty five minute episode. Yeah, but then but then you then you leave us alone <laughs> and uh, me and Aleph will go off for about an hour and a half on anything and everything else. This is true, and that's how so, we get rider jump. Th- that's that is also true. Which, um, yeah, uh, it, it <laughs> uh, you can also check that out. There should be a rider jump coming out this week, um, with me talking to uh, Cannibal Sarsenian. So, yeah. Anyway, that's a pretty fun one. Um, yes, and really, that's it. So, go ahead, listener, if you're still listening, uh, you can stop now. Goodbye and thanks, and uh, leave comments, please. Yes, definitely. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. We'll see you next time.